وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّوْا أَنَّ فِيكُمْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ O believers, you should know that indeed amongst you is the messenger of Allah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is a reminder of Allah's blessing upon the companions. That don't you see who is amongst you? The messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So honor him and respect him. Be polite with him. Obey his orders. Don't raise your voice in front of him. When he gives you a command, follow that. He is more knowledgeable about what benefits you because he's the messenger of Allah. And he is more concerned about you than you are about yourselves. What do we learn in Surah Al-Ahzab? That an-nabiyyu awla bil mu'minina min anfusihim. That the Prophet is closer to the believers than they are to themselves. Meaning he is more concerned about their welfare than the believers are concerned about themselves. So if the Prophet ﷺ is giving you a command, then what should you do? Accept it. Realize that he is the messenger of Allah. He receives guidance from Allah. And this also means that do not lie to him. Show him respect. Listen to him. Don't order him. Trust his leadership. This is the main message over here. Trust his leadership. وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ فِيكُمْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ Trust his leadership because his opinions are much complete than your own. Because about the surah, you will find many, many different incidents from the seerah. Right? That the Prophet ﷺ gave a particular command and the Sahaba wanted to do something else. And we saw this in Surah Fath also. Right? That how when the Prophet ﷺ wanted to sign the treaty, the companions were not that willing. Correct? He told them, come out of your state of ihram. Many companions were not willing. Isn't it? So what does Allah say over here? Trust your messenger. When he tells you to do something, then do it. When he orders you to do something, then do it. وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ فِيكُمْ رَسُولَ If he's giving you a command, it's because he cares about you. It's well thought out. It's not a hasty decision. لَوْ يُطِيعُكُمْ And realize that he's the leader. You're not the leader. لَوْ يُطِيعُكُمْ If he were to obey you. Meaning if the order was reversed. Because that's what many people want, right? That the leader should listen to them. This is my suggestion, my opinion, take it. If you don't take it, then I'm not coming with you. Right? Allah says, لَوْ يُطِيعُكُمْ If the messenger were to obey you, فِي كَثِيرٍ In much مِنَ الْأَمْرِ Of the matter, meaning in much of the affairs, if he were to obey you, then what would happen? لَعَنِدْتُمْ Surely you would suffer. You would be in difficulty. لَعَنِدْتُمْ عَنِدْتُمْ عَيْنُونْ تَا عَنَتْ And عَنَتْ is extreme hardship, extreme difficulty. So, in other words, if the Prophet ﷺ started listening to you and started taking your suggestions and your advice all the time, then what would happen? You would suffer. You know why? Because firstly, you don't even know what's best for you. Who knows what's best for you? The Prophet ﷺ knows what is best for you. Like for example, the Sahaba at Hudaybiyah, they didn't want to sign the treaty. Isn't it? They just wanted to save Abu Jandal. But the Prophet ﷺ wanted to sign the treaty. And at the end, what was better? Signing the treaty. 
Because you know what happened to Abu Jandal radiallahu anhu? He managed to run away from Makkah. Alright? He managed to run away from Makkah, but remember the treaty stipulated he couldn't go to Medina. So what happened? He didn't go to Medina. He didn't stay in Makkah. Right? He stayed somewhere in the desert. He camped somewhere in the desert. And then there were some other people also who fled and they joined him. And then what happened? The Makkan caravans, whenever they would go back and forth, they would feel threatened by Abu Jandal and his companions. So finally, the mushrikeen of Makkah, they sent word to the Prophet ﷺ, please can you call Abu Jandal to yourself? Can you please get him to yourself? So what happened? The Prophet ﷺ, he signed the treaty. The treaty was in favor of the Muslims. Isn't it? Now many times this happens, that when there is a leader, and we have a different opinion from that of the leader, we begin to lose our trust in the leader. Right? But what is this ayah teaching us? Trust the leader. Because many times, our view is limited, our vision is limited. And the leader is looking at the big picture. We lack experience, and the leader has experience. Right? We just want immediate benefit. And the leader, they know what's really good for you. Like for example, at school, in your university, why do you have midterms? Why? Why not just a final exam? Why a midterm? What's the benefit? Aren't you forced to study? Aren't you forced to study? You are. If you didn't have your midterms, you would probably wait until the last week before the exam. Isn't it? Cram in everything that you were supposed to study. And then who would suffer? You would suffer. So if the mean professor is giving you quizzes upon quizzes, right? An assignment after assignment, paper after paper, is it because he hates you? No. He has no problem with you. Right? He is there to ensure that you are studying. That's his job. His job is to ensure that you are studying. So, don't dislike the leader for what the leader decides. Even if you differ with him. لَوْ يُطِيعُكُمْ فِي كَثِيرٍ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ لَعَنِدْتُمْ If the Prophet ﷺ were to obey you in much of the matter, you would be in difficulty. And you see, another reason why the Prophet ﷺ was not to listen to the companions. Right? Not in everything, but of course he would take their advice, he would take their suggestions. Right? Remember in the month of Ramadan, the Prophet ﷺ, he led the Sahaba in the night prayer. Right? In the last few nights. What happened was the Prophet ﷺ was praying himself. And some companions were there in the masjid and they stood behind him. Alright, so that meant the Prophet ﷺ basically had to lead them because they're standing behind him now. Alright? In the morning, the word spread. Wow, we prayed with the Prophet ﷺ. That qiyam, it was awesome, it was so good, you missed it. So what happened? The next night, so more sahaba showed up. Alright? More and more people showed up. And the Prophet ﷺ, finally one night, he didn't come out at all. He didn't come out of his house. Why? Out of fear that if we pray again, it's possible that this night prayer will become mandatory. Isn't it? The Sahaba wanted to do it. The Prophet ﷺ deliberately avoided it. Why? Because if he didn't, and the night prayer would become mandatory, then what would happen? Who would suffer? لَعَنِتُمْ You would be in hardship. You would be in difficulty. 
Because yes, there are people who are very zealous, they're very enthusiastic, they have a lot of you know, excitement and energy and they want to do more and more. But everybody's not at the same level. So la'anittum, you would suffer. وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ But Allah. Meaning, your enthusiasm is understandable. Right? It's understandable. You want to pray every single night. It's understandable. You want to pray long qiyams with the Prophet ﷺ. It's understandable. Why is it so? Because وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ But Allah has حَبَّبَ إِلَيْكُمْ He has made beloved to you. حَبَّبَ He has made beloved. إِلَيْكُمْ to you الْإِيمَانَ The faith. Meaning iman is something that Allah has made beloved to you. So you love iman. You would never let go of it. You want the best. You love Islam. You love ibadah. And you want to do more and more. وَزَيَّنَهُ And He has beautified it. Meaning iman. في قلوبكم In your hearts. Meaning in your hearts, what is it that you find truly beautiful? Iman. And what is it that beautifies your heart? It is iman. وَكَرَّهَ And He has made hateful from the word karaha he has made hateful ilaykum to you al kufra disbelief wal fusuq and defiance disobedience what is fusuq openly disobey wal isyan and just disobedience remember that there is a difference between fusuq and isyan fusuq is like habitual almost and isyan is occasional disobedience so Allah has made hateful to you disbelief, defiance, and disobedience. أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ rashidun. It is those who are rightly guided. What does this mean? This means you know, the Sahaba, their enthusiasm for the deen is being acknowledged over here. Because they wanted, you know, they wanted so much. They wanted to do the best. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that it is not possible for everybody. So the deen is easy. The deen is easy. For example, a person loves to fast. You know, they're fasting in the month of Ramadan. They're praying qiyam in the nights of Ramadan. And they say, well, why is this limited to the month of Ramadan? This should be more. This should be done throughout the year. But is it practical? No, it is not. Likewise, a person enjoys giving charity. He says, why only 2.5%? Zakat should be more than that. We can afford to give more than that. Right? Why is he doing this? Why does he want to do more? Because you see, earlier we were told, don't overstep your bounds. Right? Do not go in front of Allah and His Messenger. Allah commands, you obey. Correct? So over here, it's as if we are being taught that realize the Sahaba did not intend anything evil. Alright? Because you see sometimes people... They suggest something to their leader and they press him, you know, that, that accept it, accept it. And you wonder, what's the hidden intention over here? What's the hidden agenda? Is it that they want that authority? Is it that they want to become the leader and push the leader off? Is that the intention? Is that the agenda? Many times it is. But for the Sahaba, Allah says that the reason why they're so enthusiastic is because they love Iman. And you see, when you love something, you cannot have enough of it. You want more and more and more. You're not satisfied with just a little bit. You want more of it. What happens with us is the exact opposite. We want less. We wonder, does it have to be one month? How about a few weeks? How about every other day? Do we have to pray qiyam every night? How about a few days? 
The Sahaba were the exact opposite. They wanted more and more. And this is the difference between loving Iman and just having Iman. They loved Iman. So they weren't satisfied with a little. They wanted more. So Allah says, He has حَبَّبَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْإِيمَانِ You find Iman beautiful. Iman attracts you. It appeals to you. And when that is the case, then every matter of the deen coming from Allah and His Messenger is acceptable to you. What do we learn from this ayah? Firstly, what we see is that the deen of Allah is complete. It is complete and perfect. And it is not in need of our advice. Because what does Allah say at the beginning? That know that the Messenger of Allah is among you. He is not to obey you. If He were to obey you, things would become difficult. So, Remember that the deen is complete. When we interfere, when we overstep our bounds, then we make the deen more difficult. We make the deen more difficult. Right? Let me give you an example of how we create difficulty in our deen. Do you see something here? I'm not wearing socks. Some people might find it problematic. Feet are supposed to be covered. Women are supposed to wear socks. Tell me something. Did the Sahabiyat wear socks? Could they afford socks? No, they didn't. What did they wear then? They wore jilbab that was long enough. Correct? So when we leave the jilbab and we say, wear socks, even in 35 degrees outside, what are we doing? We're making the deen difficult. We become very enthusiastic. Right? A woman, all of her is awla, so more and more of her should be covered. So yes, even in extreme hot, she should be wearing cotton black socks. Right? Not even any color, just black because it's not zenith. Right? So we're making things difficult. We're making things difficult. There's a hadith in which we learn, you know, the Prophet ﷺ said that what is beneath the ankles is in the fire. And Umm Salama anha said that, what about us? What does that mean? That they wore long jilbabs to ensure that their feet were covered. And of course, it is understood that when a woman is wearing a long jilbab and she's going to walk, yes, there will be times when a part of her foot will be exposed. And that is what? إِلَّا مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا Isn't it? It's what is apparent by itself. Because it's not fair. How can a woman be forced to cover her feet with socks when socks were not even that common at the time of the Prophet ﷺ? You understand my point over here? The deen is easy, it is practical, it is yusr, exactly as it is. When we add to it, when we remove from it, we make deen difficult. We are in no position to change the deen. We cannot add to it and we cannot remove from it. Remember this. When we add to it or when we remove from it, we are overstepping our bounds. We are making things difficult. Assalamu alaikum. Um, I feel like this is really important for us as well that that means that we can't take our own interpretations of commands. We need to see how they were implemented by the Sahaba and, you know, like the wives of the Prophet. Because a lot of people to take a command and be like, no, I think it means this. And then start doing like their own thing with it. Yeah, and this is why you have to see what does the Quran say about something? What does the Sunnah say? And how did the Sahaba implement it? How did they carry it out? Right? Also, remember the Prophet ﷺ, he said that, إِنَّ هَذَا الدِّينَ يُسْرِ That indeed this deen is easy, this religion is easy. 
And no one will ever overburden himself in religion except that it will overcome him. Meaning when you will make things difficult for yourself, at the end you will be exhausted. At the end you will give up. So seek what is appropriate. And the hadith continues. In the Quran Allah says, وَلَوِ اتَّبَعَ الْحَقُّ أَهْوَاءَهُمْ لَفَسَدَتِ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ The truth is not to follow the desires of people. Isn't it? The truth is the truth. So the Quran is Quran, the Sunnah is the Sunnah. Let's not read into it and interpret it the way we want to suit our desires. When we will do that, we are going to make the deen difficult and hard upon ourselves. Sometimes we think we know best. Like I remember somebody once told me, I was having the same discussion about feet with them. And they said that, you know, in God knows what century France, feet, women's feet were considered the height of beauty. So a woman you know, could have a, an extremely low neck or whatever, but her feet had to be covered. I'm like, okay, that's France. All right? We're talking about Islam. Okay? So yes, in a particular culture, something might be okay or not okay, but we're talking about Islam. Isn't it? So remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what is best for us. Right? We think we might know what's best, but Allah knows what is best. So He has given us the deen which is the most practical and which is the most complete. But at the same time, let's not be hasty over here and be judgmental about other people. That if someone is trying to follow the deen, and yes, in that they're being extra careful, extra cautious, right? Why is that so? It's well-intentioned basically. Right? It's well-intentioned. So for example, if a woman says that, no, no, you know, I just don't feel that great when I go outside, my abaya does lift up quite a lot, so I just feel comfortable wearing socks. Fine. No problem. She's being more cautious. Excellent. Good for her. But don't impose that on other people. And don't say that it is fard and wajib and it's haram to not wear socks. Right? This is problematic. So over here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala testifies to the faith of the companions. That حَبَّبَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْإِيمَانِ وَزَيَّنَهُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ And here we really need to see the state of our hearts. Do I love iman? Whatever it is that my Rabb has commanded, whatever it is that my Messenger وسلم, taught, do I love it? Do I look forward to it? Do I look at it with eagerness, with love? Or do I have some discomfort in my heart when I think about these things? Because over here we see that the beauty of the heart is what? With iman. The beauty of the heart is with love for iman. And the Prophet ﷺ, he also prayed, he also made dua, that Allahumma habib ilayna al-imana wa zayyinhu fi qulubina wa karrih ilayna al-kufra wal-fusuqa wal-isiyan wa ja'alna min al-rashideen. Exactly what's mentioned in this ayah. Right? So he made dua for that. Because you see, until you love something, can you accept it? No. And if you cannot accept it, can you do it? Can you follow it? No. So in order to follow, in order to obey Allah and His Messenger, we must love what has come from them. Correct? And at the same time, if we dislike something, can we leave it? No, we cannot. I remember there was a boy who was... He could say very easily in casual terms that he was addicted to coke. Alright? 
And then somebody said something to him about coke. I don't know what exactly they said. But that boy, he abandoned coke completely. I remember this kid going around, taking bottles of coke and just dumping them. Dumping them. He did that to me once and I got seriously offended. That why are you doing that to my coke? Alright? Literally he took it and he dumped it out. Alright? Why? Why that aversion? Because, because he learned something about, about coke. I don't know what it was, but something. And that aversion led to what? Abandoning it completely. Isn't it? So we cannot abandon something unless and until we dislike it. We cannot abandon sin unless and until we dislike it. So this is why we should make dua to Allah. That, oh Allah, whatever deed you love, make it beloved to me also. And whatever deed you dislike, make it hateful to me also. Make me love what you love and make me dislike what you dislike so that I can do what you love and leave what you dislike. Such people, أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ rashidun. Those are the rightly guided. They are upon the right guidance. فَضْلًا مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَنِعْمًا This is bounty from Allah and favor. What is the state of loving iman? The heart being beautified with iman. The state of disliking, disbelief and disobedience. This is entirely, exclusively Allah's favor upon a servant. He couldn't have acquired it himself. وَنِعْمَةً And a blessing. وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ And Allah is knowing and wise. وَإِنْ And if طَائِفَتَانِ Two factions, two groups. Dual of the word, طَائِفَةً مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Among the believers, اِقْتَتَلُوا They fight. If two groups of the believers are fighting, Fighting as in they're fighting against each other. And remember, iqtatala is basically raising weapons against each other. It's like beating each other up. Now, remember the previous verses? That if someone brings you some information before taking action, investigate. Otherwise, you will have regrets. Now, what if there happens to be a situation where two people or two groups of people there's so much difference or misunderstanding that has led them to basically fight with each other. In this situation, what should the others do? Should they just stand and watch? Allah says, فَأَصْلِحُوا Then do islah, make settlement بَيْنَهُمَا between the two. Meaning don't let them keep fighting and killing each other. Be like Musa salam. Intervene and stop the fight. فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا Do islah between them. What is islah? To make amends. Right? That whatever problem there is between those two groups, solve that problem so that they're not fighting anymore. فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا Do islah. فَإِن then if بَغَتْ It oppressed. بَغَيْنِيَ بَغِي it oppressed. Who oppressed? Ihdahuma, one of the two groups, al-ukhra over the other. Let's say two groups are fighting, and you intervene and you find out, you ask them, what's going on? Why are you fighting? And after a whole discussion, you realize that one group is guilty. Why? Because they initiated the aggression. Right? So in bagat ihdahuma al-ukhra. So the aggressor. 
the one who initiated the aggression, the one who's guilty, the one who's at fault. Then Allah says, فَقَاتِلُوا Then you should fight Allati, the one who تَبْغِي The one who has oppressed. Meaning, join the oppressed and fight the oppressor. Because sometimes what happens is that when you're trying to resolve a dispute, it doesn't just get resolved through words. You have to use physical force. So use physical force against who? Against the oppressor. And for that sometimes you have to join the one who is being oppressed. So for example, you will join the oppressed and fight the oppressor and you will hold the oppressor down. For example, So فَإِن بَغَتْ إِحْدَاهُمَا عَلَى الْأُخْرَى فَقَاتِلُوا الَّتِي تَبْغِي Until when? حَتَّى until تَفِيئَ It returns. إِلَىٰ أَمْرِ اللَّهِ To the command of Allah. Who returns to the command of Allah? The oppressor. They return to the command of Allah, meaning they agree to do in their situation what Allah has commanded, what Allah has ordered. تَفِيئَ فَيَا هَمْزَ فَيَا To return. So basically fight the oppressor until the oppressor surrenders. Alright? فَإِن فَاءَتْ Then if it returns, meaning they surrender, then فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا Then make amends, make settlement between the two groups. Whatever problems they had, whatever strife there was, solve it. فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا But how should you do islah? بِالْعَدْلِ With justice. وَأَقْسِطُوا And be fair. Adl is justice and أَقْسِطُوا قِسْط is basically refraining from injustice. Meaning, ensuring that no unfairness is being done. So وَأَقْسِطُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُقْسِطِينَ Indeed Allah loves those who act justly. Now, this ayah, remember, it is specifically for certain situations which are basically warfare. Or for example, when people are engaged in physical violence against each other. And here the command is specifically being given to who? To those who are in authority. Remember this one rule. The command to join the oppressed and fight the oppressor. This command is being given to who? To who? Average people like us? Who is this command being given to? Those in authority. Because if an average person goes and joins the oppressed, what is he going to do? He's basically adding fuel to the fire. Right? Because now more casualties, more people are being killed. So someone with authority must intervene. Alright? So this ayah is specifically for people in power, leaders, that when there is war, when there is bloodshed between Muslims, resolve the issues, do not let them continue. And the procedure has been mentioned over here. Now, before we continue, do you notice something over here? What is being mentioned? Warfare, battle, between who? Bloodshed, between who? Muslims. So as sad as it is, this is a reality. This is a reality that was there at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. I mean, there were times when groups of Muslims, because of their tribal affiliations, you know, they got angry with each other and they started fighting each other and the Prophet ﷺ would go in, calm them down. And then we see that after the Prophet ﷺ, it was really sad how battles were fought amongst Muslims. Right? And this is a reality today also. But remember, 
Allah says, إِنْطَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ He says, two groups from the believers. Fighting another Muslim, yes, it's a major sin. Trying to kill another Muslim is a major sin. But Allah still calls them mu'mineen. Do you understand? Allah still calls them believers. And this is something we need to remember. That just because a person is committing a major sin does not mean that they have left the fold of Islam. Alright? Yes, there are levels of faith. They may be at a very low level at that point. But it doesn't mean that they have completely abandoned the faith. Now, what do we learn? That stop bloodshed. Stop warfare. The Prophet ﷺ said, "Unsur akhaka ظَالِمًا أَوْ مَظْلُومًا Help your brother whether he is an oppressor or the one who is being oppressed. So of course the one who is being oppressed, it makes sense you help them. But how do you help the oppressor? By stopping him. By not letting him fight. Preventing him from oppressing others. So even though this verse is about warfare and bloodshed, what's the lesson for an average Muslim, for us? What can we learn from this ayah for ourselves? Yes. Yes, that in everyday situations when we see someone being oppressed, then take their side. Speak for them, right? Defend them. Join their struggle. The one who is being oppressed, fight for his rights just as you would fight for your rights. Right? What's another lesson we can learn from this ayah? When people are fighting, let them fight. Just watch the show. Is that what this ayah is teaching us? Just watch people fighting? No, intervene. It is your responsibility as a believer to do something about it. Have you heard of that phenomenon where there's a group of people watching you know, something happen that nobody takes responsibility? What is it? Bystander, right? Bystander effect, right? That what happens to people? Somebody is being killed. They can hear the screams. They can hear somebody being beaten up. And there's 50 people who watch that crime happen, but no one, no one intervenes. No one does anything. And these are facts. They're not just made up stories. These are facts. It happens. Why? Because no one takes that responsibility. Everybody thinks, or somebody else will do it. Somebody else will do it. There are studies that show that this happens to people. But what does this ayah teach us? When you see oppression, consider it your moral obligation to do something about it. Don't wait for somebody else. It's your duty as a believer to take action. And even if it's just people fighting amongst each other, children, in the family, at work, at school, when you see mutual conflict, then do something about it. When you see that people's relationships are not that healthy, then don't let it remain like that. Don't think that, let them deal with it, it's their problem. No, it's also your problem. Because today it might be their problem, but tomorrow what's going to happen? It's going to spread. It's going to affect you also. So do something about it. There's so many ahadith that tell us about how mutual conflict is so dangerous. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, لا تقاطعوا ولا تدابروا ولا تباغضوا ولا تحاسدوا وكونوا إخوانا كما أمركم الله 
that do not sever relations of kinship, don't bear enmity against one another, don't bear aversion against one another, and don't feel envy against each other, and live as fellow believers as Allah has ordered you to. Allah has commanded that you should be believers, that you should be brothers. So be like brothers. The Prophet ﷺ also said, Beware of evil with each other, for indeed it is haliqa. What is haliqa? One that shaves off completely. Meaning one that destroys the religion of a person. What destroys religion of a person? Su thatil bain. Being evil with each other. Bad relationships. This is destructive for our religion. How is it destructive? First of all, if a person has problems with their friends and family, can they focus on their prayer? Can they? No. Can they fast with a clean heart? No, they cannot. You cannot focus on ibadah if you've got problems in your life. Right? If you've got problems with people. So you work on fixing those problems. Do as much as you can to fix those problems. And secondly, if we are constantly fighting with each other, bickering, then is that a good image of Islam? No. This is destructive for the image of our religion also. And we see this today. So what's the main lesson of this ayah? That when you see oppression, don't let it continue. Do something about it. And when you see problems between believers, then again, intervene and try to resolve them. إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ إِخْوَةٌ Indeed, the believers are only brothers. Ikhwa, plural of the word akh. They're brothers or sisters. إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ إِخْوَةٌ So if you find that somebody is oppressing your sister, your brother, will you just stand and watch? Will you? Will you say it's his problem, it's her problem? No. You will do something about it. So when any believer is suffering... It is your obligation to defend him just as you would defend your own brothers and sisters. إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ إِخْوَةٌ فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَ أَخَوَيْكُمْ So make settlement between your brothers. Meaning it's not correct for believers to fight each other. So if they're fighting with each other, make islah, do something over there. وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ And fear Allah in order that you may receive mercy. The Prophet ﷺ said, the believer is the believer's mirror. A believer to another believer is like a mirror. And the believer is the believer's brother who guards him against loss and protects him in his absence. Protects him in his absence, meaning protects his honor, his reputation. Guards him against loss, meaning doesn't let anybody harm him. So all believers are related by what factor? Iman. Regardless of color, race, culture, background. And this is why we should never let disputes grow or increase. Solve disputes. The Prophet ﷺ said, Shall I not tell you about a charity which Allah loves to be given? Would you like to know about a sadaqah that Allah loves? That when a person gives that sadaqah, Allah loves that sadaqah? The Sahaba said, Yes. And the Prophet ﷺ said, You cause sulh between people. Do sulh between people. Make amends between people. The problems and the fights and the differences and the disputes that they have, solve them. And when you will solve them, this is the best kind of charity. This is a charity that Allah likes. 
The Prophet ﷺ said that a Muslim is the brother of a Muslim. He neither oppresses him nor does he surrender him to his enemy. And he who is helping his brother, then Allah is in his help. Meaning Allah is going to aid him. And he who relieves a Muslim from any hardship, then Allah will relieve him from the hardships of the Day of Judgment. And he who conceals the weakness of a Muslim, then Allah will conceal his weakness on the Day of Judgment. So when we help other people, essentially who are we helping? Ourselves. And when we're helping them resolve their conflicts, their disputes, who are we helping? Ourselves. So it's never just their problem, somebody else's problem. It could very well be our problem. When we help them, in fact we are helping ourselves. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. وَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّ فِيكُمْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ لَوْ يُطِيعُكُمْ فِي كَثِيرٍ مِّنَ الْأَمْرِ لَعَنِتُّمْ وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ حَبَّبَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْإِيمَانَ وَزَيَّنَهُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ وَكَرَّهَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْكُفْرَ وَالْفُسُوقَ وَالْعِصْيَانَ أُولَئِكَ هُمُ الرَّاشِدُونَ فَضْلًا مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَنِعْمَةً وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ حَكِيمٌ وَإِن طَائِفَتَانِ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اقْتَتَلُوا فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا فَإِن بَغَتْ إِحْدَاهُمَا عَلَى الْأُخْرَى فَقَاتِلُوا الَّتِي تَبْغِي حَتَّى تَفِيءَ إِلَى أَمْرِ اللَّهِ فَإِن فَاءَتْ فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا بِالْعَدْلِ وَأَقْسِطُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُقْسِطِينَ إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ إِخْوَةٌ فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَ أَخَوَيْكُمْ وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُرْحَمُونَ سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته